It's time to talk Cardinals baseball with a World Series champion, Brad Thompson, on the Redbird Report podcast on 101 ESPN. It is the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. I'm Brad Thompson. I'm your host, and I have got zero good news for you. I hate that that's the case. Generally, I am sunshine, rainbows, lollipops, and all of that, but the Cardinals just suffered a sweep at the hands of the Giants, an 8-5 loss, which honestly, if you just heard the number, you're like, nah, 8-5 loss, you know, it happens. Golly, another way to just rip your freaking heart out in this one. They've lost five straight games. They've lost 10 of their last 12. Heck, they've lost 12 of their last 15. The Cardinals currently, as they have an off day today when I'm doing this podcast, are 27 and 42. They are right now 15 games under 500 and find themselves eight and a half games back in the Central, which honestly is amazing with the record that they have that the Central Division is so bad that they are only eight and a half games back. So, like, that's your silver lining if you're looking for anything, and we've talked about this plenty in the past, but if you are grasping at something, winning the Central is not out of the question, but Boy, does it feel like it is right now the way that the birds are playing. We talked last podcast a little bit about uh, surrounding yourself with good people, right? I feel like the people that you are with, that you're friends with, they say a lot about you, right? The company that you keep tells people about you. So if you've got a bunch of friends that are crazy, screaming on the bar, well, it kind of tells you kind of who you are. You've got a bunch of friends that are more business-related, have have a bunch of goals, tells me a little bit about you as well. Well, the Cardinals, they're not keeping great company right now, ladies and gentlemen. They are not keeping very good company because there are only two teams in baseball right now that have a worse record than your St. Louis Cardinals. Now, unfortunately for the Cardinals, none of those teams are in the National League. They are the worst team in the National League, the worst record, the worst winning percentage in the NL. Only the Royals and the A's have a worse record than your St. Louis Cardinals. Those are not two teams that I was expecting to comp the Cardinals to this year. I wasn't. Two teams are going to play this year, play at everybody this year. Figured it was two teams you talk about how the Cardinals beat up on. I don't even know. I don't know what that's going to look like for the rest of the season. The Royals are the worst team in baseball right now. They have lost nine straight games. Amazingly, the A's are the second worst team in baseball right now, trending in a different direction. They've actually won seven straight as we're doing this podcast. And I did love in Oakland the other day, they did a reverse no-show at the ball game where they actually showed up, a reverse protest, and they were quiet during the entire first pitch, and then they started yelling, sell the team. A lot going on over there in Oakland and soon to be Las Vegas for the A's. But this is the company the Cardinals are keeping right now. Now, I know where we're at geographically, so there's a good chance, and the Cardinals have played them already. You you know a couple of Royals. You know Bobby Witt Jr. I mean, you know a few of their guys. Name two Oakland Athletics right now. Go ahead. Go ahead and name two of them. I'll wait. He couldn't do it. I know you couldn't do it because you haven't watched the A's. The A's are abysmal, and they're just not a good ball club right now. Well, here are 
our Redbirds with the third worst record in the game of baseball. Got to be honest, I was hoping they were going to be hanging out with some different teams. I was going to hope they'd hang out with the Braves or the Dodgers. Or how about the Arizona Diamondbacks doing what they're doing? Really impressive. 41-26 and 26 at time of this recording. The Rays are tearing it up. They're doing a great job. The Texas Rangers, who the Cardinals recently saw, they have been awesome. Houston Astros are 10 games over, like the defending World Series champion. I was hoping we would be talking about that, but here we are. So it begs the question, and if anybody has listened to me over the years on 101 ESPN, this has been a running joke. And it has been a question that my co-host, whether it be Randy Carricker when I first started, DeMarco Farr, Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers, there would always be a time where they would ask me a question. And it was a question that I did not handle very well in a post-game interview after a start against the Kansas City Royals. But I think this question bears repeating here in regards to the St. Louis Cardinals in 2023. Where do we go from here? Now, for those that know the story, after I gave up a ton of runs in that game, I didn't answer that question very well. My response to all of the reporters that were there, and there were a bunch of them, and I'm amazed that this video has not come out because I know there was a camera there because I remember my wife calling me afterwards. We were still dating at the time. She said, did you really just say that? My response was, I don't know. Go find a puppy to kick from the question of, hey, Brad, where do we go from here after a bad outing? Did you guys know that that is not a commonly used slang term when it comes to like having a bad day like it's uh, it's just not one I, I thought it was I thought people said stuff like that but you know they didn't and uh, Tony didn't like it uh, because you know he had the ARF Animal Rescue Foundation and I love animals got two puppies now they're both rescues actually one of them 16 years old she's deaf she's blind she's the best now we all know that the answer should have been Memphis most likely because I think I found myself there the following week. But uh, I didn't answer that question very well. And I'm not sure I'm going to be able to answer this question very well in the case of the St. Louis Cardinals in 2023 who find themselves in this whole 15 games under 500. But it's like the biggest question that is out there. Where do you go from here? How do you fix it? What is the next move? So where do we start? Plenty of ideas. Plenty of theories out there. Not sure if any of them actually fix this ball club for this season, but we're spitballing, right? Let's start with the one that is probably most prevalent, uh, whether this is like social media or just a constant chatter or the thought when a team struggles as bad as this team struggles. Number one is where do we go from here? Fire the manager. Ollie Marmel in his second year replacing Mike Schilt. Had a great year last year. We all know how the playoffs went. The Cardinals dropped both their games to the Phillies. They didn't end up moving on. That has been a theme here in the last few years for the Redbirds. At the end of the day, the manager is in charge. He is the guy. He is the leader. He has the big office for a reason. And a lot of the blame falls at that door. That is very, very true and very, very fair for the most part. Do you think that fixes the problem? If... John Mosellock announced tomorrow or today or whenever the heck you're listening to this podcast. And by the way, thank you for listening to this podcast. Do you think that a change in leadership at the top for the Cardinals, when I say at the top, I mean within the clubhouse, within the dugout, with your manager, 
changes the way that this team plays, changes the way that this team executes in clutch situations, changes the way that they make a pitch or do not make a pitch when you have two strikes and two outs in the ninth inning. Does that change it? Some might say maybe. Some might say yes, absolutely. It changes the vibe. It mixes something up. It is change for the sake of change. And I think that that's a really interesting concept, the change for the sake of change. Because, dude, I've been guilty of this in the past, too, the idea of change for the sake of change. Well, what you're doing isn't working. Try something else. Here's the funny part of it, though, when it comes to the Cardinals and the way that they have kind of poised themselves. This is, and, and every team in baseball is, to be fair, an analytically driven organization. Does change for the sake of change sound like an analytically driven decision? To me, it doesn't. To me, it just sounds like throwing darts at this point. So if you decided to move on from your manager, if that ended up being the move, it is it's something it's a change, and you appease a fan base, and maybe people are like, yeah, you did it. That doesn't fix anything, in my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong, and maybe I'm a little bit too close to the situation. I'm a huge fan of Ollie. I love the entire staff, and I'm telling you this just from a standpoint of me being around, and especially the last couple of years, and especially this year, being around a lot more in the clubhouse virtually every day, get a chance to sit down with Ollie, get a chance to sit down with the staff pretty much every day. These guys communicate incredibly well, and these guys have the ear of their players, and they have the trust of their players. And at the very least, they have the trust of the players that matter on this roster. I'm not saying that everything is always perfect with every relationship in the building, but when the big guys have your back, and they are backing every move that you're making, you're doing some right things. I'll just say that. But you're not winning ball games, And that is what matters at the end of the day. So, look, if that is your big swing is to fire the manager, maybe you clean house, right? You just say, all right, well, this isn't working, that isn't working, blah, 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 we'll bring in new staff. You think things turn around quickly? Do you think that this is a playoff team the way that they're – currently constructed I, I don't know maybe maybe they are maybe they are under a different change personally I just don't see it that way I do see though like you guys do a team that is far more talented than the numbers that they have been putting up and that's the maddening part that's the part when you look at it and you say look you have the freaking MVP in Paul Goldschmidt you have got the guy that came in third in Nolan Arenado, you have got a guy in Nolan Gorman, although Gorman has been scuffling here about the last 15 games. We've seen his average drop a little bit, whatever. Dude is probably an all-star this year. Aside from that, though, what else do you truly have on this ball club? Now you got a very injured outfield. By the way, been nice to have Dylan Carlson back. I think that D.C. has solidified some things out in the outfield. Tommy Edmond, by the way, has done a really good job in center field. I mean, that might be your center fielder for the rest of the year, even when everybody comes back healthy. That's how well he has played that position. I love Brendan Donovan. I think that he's a table setter. He does a lot of things really well. But when we're talking about impact players here, what else do the Cardinals have? 
the big deal they made in the offseason was for Wilson Contreras. Wilson Contreras, we all knew, was not going to be Yadier Molina. We knew he wasn't going to be Johnny Bench. He wasn't going to be Pudge Rodriguez. He wasn't going to be the best catcher ever. But you did know that he was going to be an offensive force. At the very least, that's what he's been throughout his career with the Cubbies. Also, no different ballpark factors. Maybe some of the counting numbers aren't the same. But you weren't expecting this. You weren't expecting Wilson Contreras through 63 games, I believe, that he's been in to hit less than 200. Buck 98 right now with a 639 OPS. We're really not expecting that. It's been a struggle. It's been a struggle, certainly, for Contreras. And we can go back and hash out the he's the catcher, he's not the catcher, what are we doing, the management of the situation. And I'll just say this, the management of the situation, the way that it, that it came out, uh, I believe is a lot worse than the way that it actually went down. It's neither here nor there. It doesn't matter uh, because he is the guy that you signed to a five-year deal. He is the guy that you are going to have to rely on here for the next four-plus years, and you're spending a lot of money on him. And here's the thing with this with Wilson Contreras because, man, I, I, I'm rooting for Wilson Contreras. I want him to be great. I thought that Wilson – handled when he came over in the press conference, handled it so well. And he talked about knowing that he wasn't going to be Yadier Molina, wasn't going to try to fill those shoes, but he was going to be Wilson. And that's such a good concept of like trying to be yourself and knowing who you are. And we just talked about some of the offensive numbers. He's way off from where he was. There is a lot of pressure when you put on the Cardinal uniform. I don't just say that as just like, uh, oh, the Cardinals are the best, they're fantastic. But you think about it, you think about the expectations of the organization every single year. A little bit different than the expectations of other organizations. Won't point fingers, doesn't matter who it is. But there really is, everybody, when they come into spring training, they say, well, we want to win a World Series. Yeah, obviously you want to win a World Series with some teams and some organizations actually build for that, have a pedigree for that, and the Cardinals do. And I realize we, we can go back and look. Cardinals haven't won a World Series, as we all know, since 2011, and they have fallen flat in the postseason recently. But I promise you these are still the goals of the organization. They believe that they have put themselves in a position. Boy, it's not good right now. Uh, but to do that perennially. But here's the thing. In regards to Wilson Contreras and the pressure of putting on this uniform first year as a Cardinal, big free agent, you don't have to look too far to realize that it is a difficult thing to do. How about we look back at the last two guys that the Cardinals got via trade, big trade pieces in Paul Goldschmidt, the MVP, and Nolan Arenado, arguably the best third baseman in the game, third in the MVP voting a year ago. Let's go back and look at their first years as members of the Cardinals, both coming out of organizations that didn't necessarily have a winning pedigree in the Diamondbacks and the Rockies, and I mean that as respectfully as possible. Let's start with Goldie, because Goldie ended up getting to the Cardinals first. His first year with the Redbirds, as we all know, was 2019. 
in that year, just we'll just go slash line. Let's make it pretty easy, okay? Goldie hit 260, a 346 on base, a 476 slug, all good for an 821 OPS. Very respectable if you're a normal human because that 821 OPS in Paul Goldschmidt's first year as a member of the St. Louis Cardinals was the second lowest in his career, and the only one that was lower was 48 games in 2011, his rookie season. And Goldie has talked about this. He has talked about coming over to the Cardinals, knowing the history of the organization, knowing the expectations, and feeling the weight of it. And we all know this. St. Louis is not the toughest media market. Okay, this is not... New York and Philly or maybe even Chicago, right, where it's gotcha questions here and there and it's it's trying to catch players up. Like, it's not. It's a very fair, fair market, and it's an incredible place to play. But when you're brought in to be the guy, there's a different pressure that weighs on you. So Paul felt that. What about Nolan Arenado? So Nolan Arenado comes over. His first year, again, as everybody knows for the St. Louis Cardinals, was 2021. Let's keep it simple again. Let's go back to slash line. He had 255, 312 on base, and a 494 slug. It did the math. That's all good for an 807 OPS. That 807 OPS for Nolan Arenado, that's the third lowest OPS in his career. His first year with the St. Louis Cardinals, he was an all-star that year. Obviously a gold glover, perennial gold glover. And the other two years that he had a lower OPS, well, his lowest OPS came in 2013 as a rookie at 22 years old with the Rockies, 706. And the next one was the pandemic-shortened 2020 season, where in 48 games, Nolan Arenado had a 738. There's something to it, right? And again, Nolan Arenado has talked about that as well. I know he's talked about it publicly, right? Definitely know he's talked about it privately, about the weight that is on your shoulders when you play in a place that has big-time expectations. And by the way, both of these guys, when we're talking about Goldie and Arenado, they love that. They love the pressure. They love the expectation. There's a reason that they wanted to be here. There's a reason that they each signed extensions to stay a member of the Cardinals because they want to win and they want people to care and they love the fact on a random Wednesday when the ball club is terrible on a 12-15 game that there's 40,000 people at the ballpark. Like It is a pleasure. It is an honor to play in front of people like that, fans like that. But it's still an adjustment, and it's still one where I feel like, and I know, that both of them in situations felt like the weight of the world was on their shoulders, that every at-bat meant the world, that they were trying to make up for maybe the last game with one swing of the bat. And I really do feel like right now that's exactly where Wilson Contreras is. John Denton over at MLB.com does a great job covering the Cardinals for MLB. Wrote a piece recently and had some quotes from Wilson Contreras that look are, are very, very eye-opening for what he's going through. Uh, he is five for his last 59, not exactly great. Had the day off again the last game of the series against the Giants. And he had a bunch of quotes in this piece, but a couple of them that are just, I don't want to say like alarming, but they're eye-opening at the very least. 
He says, this is my first time since I've been in the big leagues that I have struggled this bad. I think I've lost my confidence and I lost my trust and I lost the trust that I came into this season with. It just went away. Not great. Yeah, not exactly what you're hoping to hear. Now, he knows. Got to keep going. Got to keep moving on. You just got to keep fighting through it. Uh, But that's tough to hear that. And look, it's easy to rally behind Wilson Church. You want him to succeed. He's a Cardinal. He's wearing your jersey. He's wearing the birds on the bat. You know that he's going to figure it out. He's got the back of his baseball card that says he's a heck of a lot better player than we have seen him here with St. Louis. But boy, they could use this pretty quickly when it comes to Contreras. But tapping back into the confidence isn't the easiest thing in the world to do, and there's no time frame for it. But we all know this. Wilson Contreras is incredibly talented, and what my hope is for him is that he rebuilds that confidence, that his teammates put their arms around him and support him, and we all realize that you need him to be a factor offensively. I know there's also been the question, or at least I'm guessing there's been the question, of when he's in there with the struggles that he had, Brad, he's hitting under 200. Why is he betting fifth? Well, the answer goes back to the relationship again with him. You signed him to a five-year deal. You knew that he was going to be a part of your future offensively, certainly. He's already questioning himself. He said that he's lost his confidence. How do you think that lands when you've already lost your confidence and then your manager said, oh, did you lose your confidence? Thank goodness, because we lost it a long time ago. You're actually batting eighth or ninth. That doesn't land very well. That's the thing that a lot of us don't factor in when we think about the job of a manager and the job of a staff. You are really a psychologist. Like You are putting these players on the couch every single day, and you're trying to figure out what makes them tick and how do you keep them going and how do you get the most of them. And it is a difficult, difficult job. And I know you might also be thinking, like, and it goes back to the money a lot. And with big money comes big-time expectations. I totally understand that. Honestly, I wish I understood it way, way better. That would be great. Uh, But the thought is, I bet, for a lot of us that, hey, you're making, like, $20 million a year, dude. Like, deal with it. You're not getting it done. You're batting eighth. You're batting ninth. It's just not that simple. Like, there's egos that come with the game, and there are expectations that come with it, and there's also leeway that comes with it when you give a guy a contract like that and you know what he has been in his career and you know what you expect him to be, and even more so than what you expect him to be, you know what you need him to be. How do you set him up in the best position to get back there And that is what Ollie and that is what the staff has been trying to do with Wilson Contreras. All right, I might have gone off on a little tangent there with Contreras and all that that stuff going on. But the question comes back to, again, let's reset it. Where do we go from here? We talked about the idea of firing the manager, blowing up the staff. You might think that works. Maybe you're right. They might have already done that by the time you're listening to this. Don't know. I don't think that's the answer, but what next? Blow it up. Blow it up. That's it. Sell everybody. 
This approach feels aggressive. This is very aggressive. This is it's interesting. All right. You got me. I'll listen. What do you want to sell? What are you looking to sell off of this team that is struggling right now? We all know that the Cardinals might be in need of front-end starting pitching. You want to sell some of that. Okay. Jack Flaherty, free agent to be after this season. Jack Flaherty, uh, bad start last time out against the Giants. But leading into that one, Jack had one of the best ERAs in baseball among starting pitchers in his last couple of starts. We've seen the high end. We know what it looks like with Jack. I am a big Jack Flaherty fan. I don't think Jack comes off the best oftentimes when it comes to the media. I think that there are times where he comes off very abrasive. I will tell you this about Jack. He cares about winning. He really does. And he he is a leader, and he wants to be even more of a leader. I think he's still figuring out exactly how to do that and how to go about that. But neither here nor there. Impending free agent, if you believe that you can keep him, maybe you have that conversation. But if you don't think that that can happen, what can you get for Jack Flaherty? Well, other teams are going to have the same questions that you have, aren't they? Other teams are going to have the same questions of, can he stay healthy? Last couple of years, Jack Flaherty has shown some injury issues. Fortunately, this year he has not. We've seen some really good things for him. We've seen good velocity. We've seen good feel at times. We've seen him be erratic every once in a while. But other teams are going to worry about the same exact things that you do. So what exactly are you going to be able to pull for Jack Flaherty? Not sure. But I don't think it's anything that's going to help you this year. And that's the big question, right? Are the Cardinals willing to sacrifice this season? To look at it right now, and again, 15 games under 500. Currently, as I'm doing this podcast, eight and a half games back at the division, which sounds like a blessing right now. Are they willing to just cash it in and say, yeah, no, we blanked up this year. Like, this isn't it. We trade off Jack Flaherty. We get whatever we can for him. We trade off another impending free agent in Jordan Montgomery, who Monty, by the way, had a really nice outing against the Giants that was spoiled. I was hoping for Monty to get back-to-back Ws after not having one in nearly two months. So you trade those guys off. You get what you can. You end up bolstering maybe your farm system, get a couple of pieces that might be able to help your big league team. Then you look at the outfield log jam, and you assume that everybody ends up healthy near the trade deadline. You look at Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson. Both their names have been kicked around the rumor mill. We know that the Cardinals have a bunch of outfielders. The young Jordan Walker is up. Seeing a lot of nice things from Walk, by the way. Um, not going to get into too many positive things in this podcast. I know you don't want to hear that. But he has been very good since his return from Memphis. But, you know, he's going to play every day. He would be an untouchable, really, when you're talking about the trades, I would believe, unless there's some astronomical deal that would have him involved, which would bring back a piece that would absolutely help your club for the foreseeable future. He ain't going anywhere. So you could move another outfielder. Again, don't know exactly what the return is, but it will be minimal for this year. I've also seen some other rumors or stories about the concept or the idea of trading away Paul Goldschmidt. I believe that Will Leach over at MLB.com had a piece on that. We all know Goldie is a free agent after next season, barring any sort of contract extension, obviously. 
And to get big things, you do have to give big things. We were talking about some of the returns for possibly Montgomery or Flaherty or some of your outfielders. Look, you are dealing the MVP of the National League. There are going to be plenty of suitors out there, and you might get a huge return. You might also solve a log jam in the outfield. Because I would think the idea of first base, if Goldie weren't there, would be Jordan Walker, the third baseman by trade, would flip over to the other side of the infield and take over for Goldie. It's interesting. It's intriguing. I don't think it's a great idea, to be totally honest with you. Now, in fairness, in life, I am very risk-averse. I don't take a lot of chances. Unless I've had a couple of cocktails and I'm back home in Vegas. Then let it ride, baby. But I just don't see that being an answer. Goldie is the foundation. You look at him and Nolan Arenado. I mean, that's what you're built upon right now. Now, you might be saying, sweet foundation, Brad. Your house sucks. It's a little harsh. Could have used some sprucing up. Yeah, for sure. Does that have potential, though? You bet it does. I'm just not in the business of getting rid of incredibly talented players. I'm also not in the front office and trying to rebuild a team that has woefully underperformed. But if you're in that camp of blow it up, sell everything, maybe you're right. I'm not sitting here today acting like I have any answers. I don't. I mean, I'm sitting here watching these games with you. Now I watch it a little bit differently because in large part I've got a headset on and I'm talking during the games and boy I gotta tell you there have been some words that have not come out of my mouth that I have been proud of myself. I've given myself a high five like Brad way to not say that when Giovanni Gallegos gave up a two run home run to Mike Yastrzemski with two outs in the ninth inning or whatever your scenario is look I was just totally spitballing there but it's frustrating it's maddening And this is something that I continually remind myself as a broadcaster is that as frustrating as it is for me and for you, you guys are dedicated to this. You spend your time, you spend your money, you spend your energy on Cardinal baseball. And it truly is appreciated and it's understandable why we have the ups and downs that we do when it comes to the team. But I try to remind myself consistently that I don't care nearly as much as the guys that are actually doing this care. And I think that that is lost a lot of times. I truly do believe that many of us get into that mindset of they don't care, they're rich, they're blowing this off. Look at some of the comments they make. You realize that the comments that are out there to the media, right, half of them are BS. You understand that, right? They're answering these questions as correct as they can, as politically correct as they can, as team-friendly as they can. These are not the true feelings most of the time of the players, of the manager. You, we, we don't have all of the backstories. We don't know about injuries. We don't know about conversations. We don't know what's going on in people's lives. We don't know about different scenarios that have happened throughout the day. And we shouldn't know. Like, that's the thing. We shouldn't know about a bunch of these things. And we should just get small little clips because like your lives, there are things that are private that you don't want other people to know. And you walk outside of your house and everything is hunky-dory and you're smiling. 
But if you can, try to keep in mind that they care. They really do care. The players care about every single game, about every at-bat, about every win, about every loss. The manager cares about how his team plays, about what moves he made, about everything that happens on a given day. Everybody involved on the day-to-day with the team, they care. And they pour into it every single day. But I do understand, again, what you care about. You care about winning. And this is a team that simply has not done enough of it. So where do we go from here? Fire Mo. Mo should step down. Pretty sure I've read those things on Twitter maybe a couple of times. Been tagged in a few of those bad boys. You know the Cardinals haven't had a losing season since 2007, right? You know that it's never happened under Mo's watch. You know that this team has been a perennial contender. Now I also know that you're yelling at me right now. You're calling me a Cardinals apologist. You said something worse. That wasn't nice. Ouch! If I wanted that kind of abuse, I'd have just stayed home today. Now that you've got your verbal jabs, and you know it's true though, right? You know that this team has been a model of consistency. I'm not saying it's perfect. Far from it. And Mo would tell you the same thing, and he has said the same thing. There are some things that have not gone the Cardinals' way over the years. How about in hindsight, trading away two of arguably the best pitchers in the National League in Sandy Alcantara, who is having a down year. I would take him, not sure about you guys, and Zach Gallon. Now, again, to be fair, at the time, the Cardinals were acquiring a middle-of-the-order bat, which they desperately needed. I don't remember any of the pushback. But now, hindsight being 2020, boy, that one does not look great. If you really wanted to, you could also look back to the Randy Rosarena trade that sent him to Tampa Bay. Didn't get much of a shot in St. Louis. They bring over Matthew Libertor, who, by the way, looked pretty good last time. That's probably not going to distract you from the fact that Randy Rosarena has been freaking fantastic since he went over to Tampa Bay. Yeah, that one hurts a little bit. What was that? Oh, did you say Adolis Garcia? Yeah, fine. He's been okay, too. Cardinals let him walk. Rangers got him. Yes, yes, things have not been great. But the Cardinals have still been a winning franchise. And while we do like to focus on some of those deals, can I go back to the couple of deals that have worked out quite well for the Cardinals? Is there any pushback on the Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado deals to this point? I believe that the Rockies are still paying you a ton of money for it. I mean, what a, what a deal that one was. We do like to focus on the ones that went awry, and I get it. Like that's, that's human nature, but there have been your cornerstones of the organization right now are because of trades that were made and great trades that were made. So anyways, back to the concept of fire Mo. Mo should step down. Would you step down? Would you do that if you were in the position that he was and had the track record that he does? If you are his boss, even though this season has not looked the way that you expected it to, would you do that? Would you move on from him? I don't think I would. I just don't. Good employees are hard to find. Anybody that runs a business right now, you know that. 
It has certainly not been perfect. There are holes in this roster. I think that we're all aware of that. Most wanted a front-end starter during the offseason. Didn't have it. They made the bet that Jack Flaherty is going to be that guy. We've seen flashes of good. We've seen some not so good. The Wilson Contreras deal to this point has not looked fantastic. The bullpen could use some shoring up. There are issues. Yet I don't think that a shakeup in the front office fixes this. But again, that's me. You might have a totally different view of all of this, which is great, which is why we get to talk about it all the time here on the Redbird Report podcast. And now that we're about 36 minutes in, I, like, I'm here to tell you, I don't have the answer. They don't have the answer. The answer is in the clubhouse right now. The answer comes down to execution. The answer comes down to individuals getting their jobs done. Baseball is a team sport, but it is incredibly individual. It is a series of one-on-one matchups. It's pitcher, it's batter. There's a winner, there's a loser every single time up. Cardinals could use more winners on both sides. But nobody around the league is going to feel bad for the Redbirds. 27-42 and 42 is the record. Cardinals, as I'm doing this, have an off day today. We head out on the road, going to New York, going to Washington, D.C., and then the Birds head to London for a couple of games against the Cubbies. It is dark times right now, Cardinal Nation. But the hope is that the good times are right around the corner. You guys know me. I'm sunshine and lollipops. I'm always looking for the bright side. And even for me, guys, I promise you, the bright side has been hard to find. But we got time. There is a lot of season left. And again, the Cardinals play in a very bad division, which is great for them. But we all want to see more than beating a bad division. We want to see a good team actually come together. So where do we go from here? I guess that we're all on the journey together. We're going to find out. We're going to follow along. We're going to root for this team. It's the Redbird Report podcast. Wherever this team goes, we will follow. I appreciate you being with us. Thanks for listening in. Tell your friends it's the Redbird Report brought to you by 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Redbird Report podcast with Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN. Check out every episode at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app.